The scripture reading I have today is in John chapter 15, 1 to 10, but I'll be reading from the Message Bible. Uh, and the, the, the title of the message is Finding Yourself at Home. <laughs> and uh, whenever Joe walked in this morning and says, I'm home, it's like, yes, you are. <laughs> and, uh, but that was, that my, my message is Finding Your Way Home. And whenever we read this ver- these verses, it's about the vine and the branches and the pruning and the of the of the vine, and you know, you never generally don't associate that with finding your way home. But hopefully, um, today, as we look at this and read through this, uh, we'll understand it and understand why I came up with that title. So, in John chapter fifteen, beginning at verse one, and in the Message Bible, it reads, "I am the real vine, and my Father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes." And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message that I have spoken. Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. (laughs) Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separate, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you uh, make yourself at home, if you make yourself at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who is His when He produces grapes, when you mature as my disciple. I've I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commandments and made myself at home in His love. Finding yourself at home. Now, whenever we think, what does it mean to you to to be at home? Uh, It's an easy chair and a remote. (laughs) How about uh, home is where the heart is? Home is where you hang your hat? Home is where you are. Home is where your family is. Home, sweet home. Any other? Huh? Sweet home, Alabama. Okay. I wasn't going to sing that. Okay, anyone else? Any other home things? Uh, how about there's no place like home? Who's that? Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothy. There's no place like home. So um, we often do not associate this, this idea, like the story of the vine and the branches with home. But being home, being home, at home, in home, with the changes that you've made with your life. And today, uh, pruning, the pruning of the grapevines. Now, pruning of the grapevine is defined as to cut off or remove dead or living parts or branches to improve shape or growth. 
to, remo to remove what is undesirable. The grapevine, the vine is a plant with a weak stem that, that de derives support from clinging, twining, or creeping along a surface. So, Brad, do you have some of those pictures? Yes. So, when it comes to pruning a grapevine, this is, this is where I got this off of the internet. It says, when it comes to pruning a grapevine, you'll want to prune with a heavy hand. You want your vines to produce a few... You don't want your vines to produce... You want your vines to produce a few luscious grapes, not bunches and bunches of puny, wimpy grapes. The secret to getting the most out of your grapevine is proper pruning. And when you prune, you need to know that you need to know what you are trying to remove. You will need to prune about 80% of the previous year's growth. This prevents the vines from becoming tangle, a tangled mess and shade, shading the fruit from the sun. Make sure that every bud that remains will grow in the sunshine so it will receive the sunlight it needs to ripen. So, we see here that there is this viney mess and it needs to be pruned. So, you ever notice, and there again are the, the, the vines, they, they, they go out and they go up and down, um, they cling to about everything and they um, need these viney things to grow. There is a uh, a new vineyard, but you see at the bottom here, the, the, the main vine going up, that always stays. And whenever Jesus is using the analogy, he's saying that he is the vine, we are the branches. So he is the main source, and we are grafted into that vine. This is a, if you look here, it's showing that these are the workers going through and pruning the, the, the vines and getting it ready for the, the next year's the crop. So 80%, 80% of the vines are trimmed. Okay? Any more? Okay, this is one that's been pruned. Yeah, so whenever it's pruned back, if you've ever driven by, a, 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 you know, grape fields, uh, I don't know what they call them, uh, the grape fields, they prune them way back and they look like just sticks uh, going up to this, these uh, wires going across, and there's hardly anything there. When I was growing up, you know, as a kid on the farm, we had grapevines, but we never pruned them. And, you know, I never thought that you prune. If you prune something, I always thought you just cut off a little bit, you know. But for this message today, I find out that you, you want to prune off 80% so that it will continue to grow. So there's a different kind of pruning. First, there is the pruning that cuts off branches that have no life in them at all. So there are, there are branches that are, you know, I have branches on trees at home <laughs> that... I have to wait for the windstorm. God's pruning. <laughs> and they, all, you end, they end up in your yard. So I have branches on trees that are attached, but there's no life in them. But I can't get up high enough to, uh, to cut them down. So I have to wait for God to prune them. <laughs> and that's his windstorms. 
So that's, that's nature's, God's way of pruning, pruning trees. But then there is separating and pruning. Separating is like the, um, the information. There we go. Separa- separating is like the information that we read on the pruning. On the vine, there are those branches that will interfere with the growth of other branches. There are parts of your character. And when we think of this <clears throat> idea of pruning, we're looking at it from the point of our being grafted into the vine and that we, there are parts of who we are in our character that need to be pruned away, pruned away, cut off. Because when we are in Christ, we are a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So what is, part, what is the part of our character that needs to be changed, that needs to be cut back. What is it, what part of our character is life and life-giving and sustained by God? And what part of our character needs to be pruned? So God's purpose in our life is that we bear fruit, that we find purpose. Fruit is purpose. and we find purpose for our life, we find meaning for our life. So To become the person of God that God intended us to be from the beginning requires that there be change. You know, you can look in the mirror and say, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) We don't do that. Okay, so, you know, look in the mirror. We look at ourselves and we know that there are parts of our character that need to be changed. There are parts of our life that need to be changed. So, God's purpose then in Christ is that we are uh, that we we hear the word of God and the word of God that we were just reading this gives us an idea that there are parts of us that need changed and that there is a pruning aspect of just reading the scriptures there's a pruning aspect of character that is part of being in church and worshiping reading your scriptures at home and praying you know, having your devotionals, they are part of the pruning process that keep the character of God and the fruit of God growing in our lives. Now, sometimes we think that God's purpose is negative. You know, that somehow that, that Christ is the vine, realizing that Christ is the vine, the main part of this, um, you go back to the picture with the vines and the, the vineyard and the close up of the, vine coming out of the ground. At each one of these, there's a lot of branches going on here, but at each, each one of these intersections is, is a vine. And that vine, in the main part of the, of the vine, is, is what Christ is using as an analogy that that is him. And whenever we have become part of Christ, that we have been grafted in. And you know how, graft, you know how grafting works? You get a a shoot, and a shoot that you want, and you make a little slice in the um, bark of the vine. You make a little slice, a little tea. You spread that back, and you take this shoot, and you put it in there and wrap that around it so that this shoot that is there, grafted in, receives the nourishment from the vine. And the nourishment that is in the vine now flows into that shoot. So whenever we accept Jesus Christ and accept the scriptures as, uh, as the word of God for our lives, we are accepting the life of God flowing into our vine. Now, there are parts of our vine, who we are, that are left over, as it were, from our old nature, from our old self, and there is a pruning process 
that God is doing. So it is called, and for the Christian, it's basically developmental, that we are establishing new direction. And we are to remember that a vine grows, but as we read, it clings to about anything. So sometimes we find ourselves growing and adhering to wrong things, wrong principles. What do you cling to? What is the source of our strength? What is the source of our life? Jesus is saying that we get our life from him. Verse 4 says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. Jesus is making his home in our hearts and our lives. Do we get our life from Christ? I came across this um, story by Ron White. He's, um, I get his articles each week, and it's uh, on, on development things. And he says... And, and I, I thought this kind of fit in, this would fit in with uh, this idea of, of grafting. Ron says that this, the stage was, and he's talking about the story, he was at a Texas Ranger baseball game. He says, I started, I stared, if I can get my words and letters correct, I stared at the batter and muttered, potential as he held the bat over his shoulder waiting for the pitch no sooner had the word escaped my mouth when my friend leaned over and said what did you say I replied I said potential her question was confused she says okay potential in regard to what I then explained well in science they have something called potential energy And it basically says that a higher an object is, the more potential it has. For example, a rock on top of a building has a potential energy in it if it were to fall. I was just thinking about the potential energy in the player's bat and how that relates to me. Potential energy basically says that the higher an object is, the greater the potential energy. A ball on a six-story building has more potential energy than one on a three-story building. As a matter of fact, the doubling of the height doubles the potential energy. You see, it has been said that from those to whom much has been given, much is expected. You have been given much. Or in a scientific term, you have tremendous potential. You are like a rock on a tall building. However, if you sit there, the potential energy is never reutilized or accessed. So in this pruning process, Jesus wants to develop the potential that is in each of us. The author goes on to say, I am constantly faced with the prospect of not using my potential. To me, that is one of my largest motivating factors. Did I do everything I could to figuratively jump off that building and extend the energy? Pent up inside of you right now is tremendous potential energy that would be utilized to cure cancer, send the humans to Mars, write a novel, become president of the United States, do that which you would consider impossible. The great tragedy is not extending your potential energy and falling short. 
humans with nothing more than with nothing more than an outline built an ark nothing more than faith that God spoke to them brought a nation out of Egypt walked through a red sea survived a lion's den confronted Pharaoh and set people free. And I often think of Moses, that he spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court, 40 years in the desert, before he became capable of leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, which was another 40-year journey. So how then did the pruning process take place for Moses? You see, each individual is grafted into the vine, is grafted into who Jesus Christ is. And as a church, we find our divine purpose is that we are part of the body of Christ and we are part of bearing fruit. And there is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, meekness and kindness and long-suffering, Where does that fruit come from? How does that fruit grow in our life? It grows from being grafted into the vine and allowing the strength and and the spirit of Christ that if the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. The life of God will flow into us. And it is the life of God flowing into us that gives us the ability to forgive Paul said in our Sunday school lesson this morning, forgetting those things which are behind, meaning that we do not allow our mistakes of the past to influence our decisions for the future. So we are allowing what God has done in the grafting and the changing, and there is a process in which, and I never thought of this, 80% of my new growth needs to be pruned away. Why? So that it can bear fruit. And that there are aspects of my character that are overshadowing the really good parts of my character that I need to remove. So that the really good part of who I am can mature and grow and and bear fruit. I I, I remember reading uh, an article, I don't know if it was by him, by one of these other individuals, that said that Every aspect, if we, if we numbered every quality, every aspect of our life, our, our things that we could do, like uh, I, I know I, I said this maybe, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe sooner because I don't remember. Uh, um, if you were to say on a scale of 1 to 10, you would use my singing performances and qualities, on a scale of 1 to 10, they would be a minus 2, okay? <laughs> and so if I spent all of my time tuning in and, uh, and, and going to voice lessons and all of that, I could probably get up to a two, maybe, on a scale of ten being the highest. I can't sing, right? But there are other qualities that I have that if I really focus on them, they probably are a seven, eight, six, seven, or eight. And if I really focus on them, they will, and I take them up just two notches, they are a seven, and I take them to a nine, wow, that becomes my potential. So the idea is, focus on the qualities of your life 
that are your, your assets, not the qualities of your life that are your deficits. Because if we focus all of our attention on the, on the poor qualities of our life, we're going to end up being average. <laughs> Who wants to be average? Yeah? The idea is that every one of us have qualities that are superior. And we all have qualities that are, you know, not the best. And the, ba- the sad thing is, whenever we're down and depressed and discouraged, we take our bad qualities and compare them to other people's good qualities and say, aren't we terrible? <laughs> and God is saying, I'm looking at who you are as a person, and I see that every, and part of the body of Christ is that each of us have a way of fulfilling the needs of others. Because there are weaknesses that I have where your strengths are. And your strengths overcome for my weaknesses. My strengths overcome your weaknesses. And I often say in marriage that when two people are are married, that the strengths of the one are often the weaknesses of the other. And those strengths lift up each other. And that they end up taking each other to a different level, a higher level in their relationship because we are allowing the strengths of each other to be multiplied and to be enhanced. So we are looking at our strengths and we are looking at the strengths of the other and bringing them in, the two become one, and the strengths take us to a different level. And the pruning process that God is about in our life is about taking away the things the parts of our character that are keeping the sun away from the greater strengths of our character that are going to produce fruit. And sometimes that involves pruning. How many would really love to be pruned? Just like praying for patience. I don't want to pray for patience. Why? Because I know I'll have to wait. <laughs> so. So, so the fruits of the Spirit then are part of our growing in our relationship with Christ and part of who and the character of Christ being realized in us. So connected to Christ, live in Christ, make your home in me just as I do in you. Can you imagine this? That God is at home. In us, do we feel at home in Him? We are. We need to. Because He loves, God loves being at home in us. He loves to live in us. To separate our sins from our lives. And He loves to be at home in us. so that we can realize the potential, we can realize why we were created and what we are here for, and that God is bringing that to fruition and that the fruit of that would grow in our lives. I am the vine, you are the branches, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, and when you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship is intimate. And the harvest is sure to be abundant. So what is pruned? What is pruned from our spirit, our character, our personality? 
I got another story. You can't send a duck to Eagle School. <laughs> I like that. You can't send a duck to Eagle School. That's a book. It's written by Mac Anderson. He said, and Mac right, Mac Anderson. I don't know. I don't know Mac, but I'll say Mac, okay? I don't know Mac, okay. Mac wrote this. My friend Mac. A few years ago, I had lunch with a top executive from a company known for their um, legendary retail service. My wife and I are both big fans, and over lunch, I shared with uh, him some of the great service stories his people had provided for the Anderson family. I said, with the service you people give, you must have a training manual two inches thick. He looked at me and said, Mac, we don't have a training manual. What we do is find the best people we can find and we empower them to do whatever it takes to satisfy the customer. Then he said something I'll never forget. He said, we learned a long time ago that you can't send a duck to Eagle School. Excuse me, I said. You can't send a duck to Eagle School? You can't teach someone to smile. You can't teach someone uh, to want to serve. You can't teach personality. What we can do, however, is hire people who have those qualities and we can teach them about our products and teach them our culture. You see, God changes us. God changes us. This company isn't going to change you. There are no circumstances on this planet that are capable of changing our character. There's no school that will change your character. Only God can change the character and change the heart. You see, so God is looking at us, whether we're Saul of Tarsus, and he is taking us and confronting us and changing our life to be Paul the Apostle, changing us from the inside out so that we can be changed and that the character of God can be in us so that we can be this employable person, according to, to Mac Anderson, that you can't teach people to smile, but when God enters into our heart, we do change. I think of uh, like Teen Challenge and areas like that where people have been just totally destroyed their life with uh, problems in their life and how that God has come in and, and changed them entirely. We had individuals that, at a chaplain's conference that spoke about how that, you know, I, I like the, the, the one with the attorney that was able to say that in, in, in his junior year in high school, he was considered mentally challenged. But he graduated from Harvard Law School as an A student. Because in his junior year, when he gave his life to Christ, he read the book of James, and in that book of James, it said, God will give you wisdom if you lack it. And when he read that, it was like everything came together in his head, that God was at work and capable of giving him understanding of how to put all these things together in his head. The man's a genius. He's an absolute genius. But God gave him the ability, when he 
found that place and found that scripture. People and teachers, he talked about this, that teachers and other students called him stupid. (laughs) But when God got in, in there and changed that, that when he saw this and it came together in his life, I mean, the guy, the guy, you know, went to Harvard Law School on a full scholarship because he was a genius. But it didn't come together for him until he met Christ. And these are the things that when God, when it comes together in our life, God has a way of bringing life to us, that underlying principle of joy, that underlying stability of being able to have a foundational experience that helps us stay focused, and that whenever we are growing the parts of our character that would be overshadowing our strengths, God is going to prune it. Because there is greater purpose than having all of those vines growing everywhere. There is a greater purpose in trimming and pruning back some areas of our life to allow the qualities of our character, the qualities of our life, to bloom. You see, fruit of the Spirit is joy. The opposite of that, God prunes, which is bitterness. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. God prunes away turmoil. Fruit of the Spirit is patience. God prunes away anxiousness. Gentleness. God prunes away fear-based living. Fruit of the Spirit is meekness. God prunes away that which would harden our heart. Fruit of the Spirit is kindness. God prunes away bitterness. Fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering or patience in circumstances. God prunes away impatience. See, God changes us from the inside out. To bear fruit is to make a difference. The text says, separate from the vine. Separate from the vine. Separate from Jesus. You can't produce anything. But if you make yourself at home with me, and my words are at home in you, at home in you, a place to be yourself a place to be comfortable, a place to relax, a place that is separate from the world, united with Christ. His life-giving spirit flows through you, a place where your thoughts and feelings and life are valued by God because he abides in you and you abide in him, where you can ask whatever you want and it will be listened to. My wife thinks I need a hearing aid. Because there's certain things I don't hear. I don't know if some of you have that same experience at home or not. But there are this, this, there is this hearing problem. <laughs> or listening problem. One or that. I don't know. But you see, whenever we are at home in Christ, every thought, every word is heard and acted upon. God the Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature. God shows who he is by the fruit that is in your life. Life has a purpose. And that purpose is in how we bear fruit of love and joy and peace and 
and patience and gentleness. God's purpose for our life is to find divine purpose, divine power. That pruning is part of that process. And Jesus says, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. So make yourself at home in my love. (laughs) That's being pruned. (laughs) Making yourself at home in my love. Shall we stand? (laughs) Pruning is preparing for fruit. And um, when I was thinking of this sermon, when I read the scriptures earlier in the week, and I thought, and I read over and over in that segment about making yourself at home. I never thought of pruning as making yourself at home. But as we make ourselves at home in God, and God makes himself at home in us, we're able to see there are parts of our character and our parts of our life that we need to focus less on. And there are parts of our character and parts of our life we need to focus more on. And to allow the life of the Spirit to flow into us. And you see, you can't send a duck to an eagle school. <laughs> Well, when God changes us, we are transformed. And it's a transformation from the inside out. Amen?